You know, yesterday, um, there were around 300 or so young people here in the auditorium from all around the black country and uh, being prepared and inspired for the higher tour, which is uh, a youth event going on in the black country in Birmingham, the West Midlands actually, around March time. Um, the Message Trust in Manchester, some of you will have heard about them. They've had loads of bands, creative artists, and uh, we're going to be going into, they're going to be going into schools, and then uh, there's a whole load of big uh, concerts. And literally, we're inviting thousands of young people around the area to come and really believing this could be the greatest move of God in a generation. Isn't that exciting? And yesterday, 300 Christian young people were here in this building being prepared for that and inspired for that. And uh, if you watch social media, I wasn't here yesterday. It was a day off yesterday. Um, but I was watching on some of the social media scene, 300 young people bouncing up and down and loads of lights and smoke and, 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 and effects and noise. But the sense, even on social media, of the presence of God amongst those young people is exciting, isn't it? We hear so much negativity about young people. We need to celebrate who young people are. We need to celebrate when young people are connecting with God. That's great news, isn't it? That's really great news. We need an awakening in a whole generation of young people in our nation. And let's join and pray on Tuesday the 30th of January, again in this building. You know, God has blessed us with this building. We want this building to be a blessing to the whole area, not just to our church. On the 30th of January, Tuesday night, then this building will be open for a prayer meeting, not just for young people, but for people who want to pray for young people and want to pray for the higher tour. I really want to encourage you to put that in your diary, Tuesday the 30th of January. None of that is anything to do with what I'm going to speak about this morning, but it was really important. Awakening is what we are looking at. Finding your way back to God. Finding your way home. Whether you're a Christian or not, we get lost. We get disconnected from home. We get disconnected from the heart of the Father. And we're looking at this whole thing. And, and, and simply put, the story of God and mankind is God created us. God lost us through our own disobedience. But God won us back when He sent Jesus. That's it. That's that. It's it takes a lot longer to say that when you read the Bible. But that's basically what it is. God lost us. God created us. God lost us. But God won us back. And we find our way back to God through a series of awakenings. And last week we looked at um, uh, the greatest short story ever been told. We're going to look at this for five weeks. Okay, it's only a handful of verses in, in, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 15. But it's the parable of the prodigal son. The father who had two sons. One got lost through rebellion because he left the father's house through rebellion. One got lost through religion because he stayed in the father's house, but he was as disconnected from the love of the father as was the rebellious son who went away to a faraway land. You don't have to leave church to be disconnected from God. You can get disconnected from God through religion as well as through rebellion. And last week we looked at the younger son's first awakening, which was an awakening to longing. There must be more than this. There must be more than this. He just didn't know where to find it. There must be more than this. If you missed last week, I want to encourage you to get the podcast or to, to, to watch it on our, on our YouTube channel. Um, but I want to just look at where, we, where this young son's been. We looked last week at the son's desire. There must be more than this. Then we looked at the son's demand. Give me what's due to me. Give me what's coming to me. But then look at the son's descent. As he goes from that awakening to longing, but looking in the wrong place, he goes on a downward trajectory. 
And, and here it is in Luke 15, verse 11 to 16. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. In other words, give me what's coming to me. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He had a big crowd of friends because he had money. He was a party animal that ended up being an animal welfare officer. He ended up with the pigs. For a Jewish young man, there's nowhere darker and deeper that he could have ended up than being with the pigs. Not only that, but what the pigs were eating, he was jealous of. Not only did he end up in that place, but their existence was better to his eyes than his own existence. That's how far down he'd gone, his descent. I think at that moment, there's an awakening, and I'll show you, an awakening to regret. Awakening to regret. Let me just pause for a moment. Let's unpack what regret means. In the dictionary, regret is a noun, means this is a feeling of sadness or disappointment caused by something that has happened or something that you've done or not done. As a verb, if you regret something that you've done, you wish you had not done it. Anyone got one of them? <laughs> we wish we hadn't done it. Uh, on Wednesday in our staff devotions, I was talking about this and I asked people to talk to each other about what they regret doing, but not heavy, deep thing like I regret ever joining the staff team here at this church or anything like that. That's a different conversation. I said, Can, just share a light something. And it was funny just to hear some of the guys I was chatting with. Um, one, one of the guys, he's sure he won't mind me saying it. He talked about when, when he was going to a wedding and uh, he needed his hair cut and the only barbers he could find was a West Indian barbers and this guy is a white guy very white and he went in and he said into this West Indian barbers I just want to short back and sides and leave a little bit on the top he said what I came out with I regretted it was number one all round time with a point at the bottom and it was just it was funny I'm sure you've had them. anyone had a haircut that you regret I have a photograph which I will not show publicly of when I'm four or five and I'm a page boy at my auntie's wedding and somebody took me to the barbers. That person should have been arrested and the key should have been thrown away. And you see a picture of me in this like white ruffle uh, uh, kind of shirt with frilly things in as a page or like that with this number one skinhead on my head going like that. It's not something that I'm proud of. It's horrible. But I'm sure you've had those things that you regret, that fashion disaster, that date you went on. Yeah, a few nods of the head around here. Let, let, me, let me read you some actual regrets written by people. Someone said this, marrying the first person who asked because I thought no one would ever ask me. Someone wrote, being too afraid to live. That's a regret. Taking far too long to realise that everyone else in the world is also imperfect and winging it just like me. That can be a regret. Now the balance here is... I have no regrets to, I can't get over my regrets. Somewhere in the middle is a healthy awakening to regret. 
And I want to talk about that this morning. And we're going to use that kind of little model that we introduced, reintroduced last week that we talked about a few years ago. This aha model. It's awakening honesty and action. We wake up, we get this aha moment when we have an awakening which leads to brutal honesty, which leads to immediate action. And that's exactly what happened in this younger man. When he got so far down, he was with the pigs and the pig's existence seemed better than his own. He couldn't get any lower than that. He woke up. And the Bible says in verse 17, when he came to his senses. In some translations, when he finally came to his senses. In some other translations, when he finally came to himself. Isn't that interesting? When he finally came to himself. When he woke up. What would it take us to wake up? What would it take us to wake up from our sleep and realise that the way our life is heading is going to end up in a land called regret? What's it going to take for the guy who's flirting with the girl in the office to wake up and realise where it's heading? What is it going to take for the woman that's spending and spending and spending because she loves to shop or he loves to shop? What is it going to take to wake up to realise that there's going to come a moment when that you wake up in the land of regret? You wake up descended to a place where you think, how on earth did I get here? What's it going to take for a marriage? To wake up to the fact that if we don't, if you don't address the fault lines that are in your marriage, you're only ending up in one land and it's called regret. What's it going to take for us to come to our senses? What's it going to take for the lights to go on, for the aha moment where we say, I wish I could start all over. If we don't wake up, what will happen is we'll say, how on earth? Did I get here? An awakening. But awakening is not enough. Many people are awake to the fact that their marriage is in trouble, their finances are in trouble, their personal life is in trouble, their spiritual life is in trouble. Many people are awake to that. Many Christians are awake to that. This is my observation after doing this for a long time and seeing it in myself. Many of us know what the problem is. We stay there. We don't move on. The next thing after awakening has to be brutal honesty. The Bible said he said, in some translations, he said to himself. He spoke the truth to himself. You have to have brutal honesty. And what we do, okay, let's say me. What I do, all right, when there's things in my life that I know aren't right, is I minimise them. Not that big a deal. Anyone ever done that? Or what we do is that we rationalise them. Others are doing it. And it's caused by this and it's caused by that. Or we justify them because I deserve that because I've had such a busy week and it's been so hard and they've done that and he's done that and therefore I deserve this. Or we project what we're doing. Well, I'm only doing this because of what they've done because it's their fault. Or we give up. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I know this isn't where I want to be and I know, I know that, but you know, I, nothing's going to change. I, I can't deal with it. So we just give up. We might as well get used to the pig pen and just make it as good as we can. Now, let's pause and get a few things straight here. An awakening to regret that leads you being able to start over so you find your way home again is more than remorse. 
Regret needs to lead to remorse, which needs to lead to the R word that none of us talk about anymore. Repentance. I've said it. I've said it. Repentance. We don't want to talk about the word repentance. And I think we don't want to talk about it because in our minds, and I'm sure in your minds, when I say the word repentance, you see in your mind the guy with the sandwich board, don't you? Out in the high street, repent, the end of the world is coming, you're all going to burn. That kind of thing. We don't like that. Repentance is such an old word. But there's a really, really important verse in the Bible. And I want to share this with you. I can't remember the last time I spoke about this, which actually isn't great. Isn't great that I can't remember the last time I spoke about it. That isn't great at all. I need to repent from not talking about repentance. This is a great verse. If we could get this verse in our lives, operational, and see it as positive and not as negative, our lives would change. Here it is, come with me to the Scriptures. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10. Godly sorrow brings repentance. That leads to salvation and leaves no... And leaves no... But worldly sorrow brings death. Hold it there on the screen. This is such an important verse in the Bible. Godly sorrow brings repentance. Sorrow is not repentance. Feeling sorry for what I've done is not the same as being repentant. Godly sorrow brings repentance. That leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Many of us as Christians, we have worldly sorrow. We don't have godly sorrow. So I'm really sorry for doing that. But it doesn't bring repentance. It just makes us feel bad for the moment. But actually, it brings death. You see, sorrow precedes repentance. It isn't repentance. If we're only sad about what we've done, nothing will ever change. Nothing will ever change. Repentance is not linked to emotions like guilt or sadness. It's more about motion than emotion. Repentance is more about motion than emotion. It's about starting over by going in a completely different direction. The original word in Greek in the New Testament, metanoia, literally means to change your mind and to change direction. Meta uh, is, is change and noia is mind. To change your mind and change your direction. It's a turning point. It's a realisation that the direction you're heading in is only going to end you up in the land called regret. And you're not only do you feel sorry for that, because sorrow has to lead somewhere, it leads to repentance where you change your mind and you change your direction and you head in a completely different way. You see, the awakening that leads to honesty then must lead to the third thing we're going to look at, action. Action. Godly sorrow leads to repentance and that leads to action, a change of mind. Verse 20, so he got up and went to his father. In in another translation, so he returned home to his father. Anytime we are disconnected from God, anytime we are disconnected from God, we are heading to the land of regret. And we have to have an awakening and honesty and get up and return home to the Father. The Old Testament word for repentance is the word teshuvah. Listen to this. It means to go back to where you belong. Isn't that beautiful? To go back to where you belong. How many of you know getting married requires a change of direction in thinking and action? How many of you know that's true? If it doesn't, you're in trouble. The toilet seat has to stay down once you're married, men. It really does. The socks and pants have to find a way of getting off the floor and into the basket. Am I right, men? And there's other things we could say as well. And here's the thing. When you have kids, that's a change of direction. You know, I hear people say, 
Oh, when we have kids, nothing will change about my life. You know, don't worry. So to my mates who don't have kids, when I have kids, we're still going to be exactly the same. Nothing will change. You know what I want to say? If that's the case, you're in big trouble. And something is wrong if you're saying nothing will change. It should change. Any relationship that's worth anything in terms of pursuing should require us to change, shouldn't it? So when you're single and you get married, then that should require change in in action and in thinking. When you're married and you have kids, then that should require change in how you act and in how you think and how you behave. behave. Any relationship worth pursuing surely needs that change in that. Regret, remorse, repentance. And then when he came home, he found restoration. That awakening, he came to his senses. He said to himself, And then he got up and went home. That regret to remorse, to repentance, it led ultimately to restoration. So what about you today? That's the story. What about you? Any regrets? God came to Adam and Eve when they were in the garden and asked the first recorded question in history. Where are you? Adam said, we were afraid. We realised we were naked, so we hid. Most of us, listen, most of us are imprisoned by one, two or three mistakes. Regrets you've made in your life. Maybe regrets that nobody else knows about. Or maybe some that everybody knows about. And you're imprisoned by those regrets. I want to be practical and helpful today. And I want to look at this in the last 15 minutes I've got. How do we stay pre-regret? Okay? How do we stay away from the land of regret? But then let's be real. How do we live post-regret? Because we all have a few, more than a few. So how do we stay pre-regret and then how do we live post-regret? Let's look at to stay pre-regret. To stay pre-regret, we have to be aware of what causes us to end up in the land of regret. And I think, and this is not exhaustive, as I began to open this up, I thought, crikey, there's loads of things I could say. I'm just going to say a few. I think the main reasons we end up in the land of regret is around the word lack and around the word fear. So let's just look at a few. A lack, firstly, of self control. How many of you went to the January sales? It's not a sin. How many of you went to the January sales? Come on. You're lying. You're lying. Most of you are. Okay, fine. That's where we are. You need to repent from lying, especially in church. Okay. So Alison and myself are in Birmingham just over the Christmas time and we went into Selfridges. We really did. We didn't buy anything. We just wanted to walk around. It's way too expensive, okay? But we went in and there was a photograph which I took of this. Sale, resist and you'll regret. What a terrible message. I didn't buy anything in that shop because I wanted to rip every one of those down. Resist and you'll regret. It's the opposite. Don't resist and you'll regret. We have a lack of self-control in our culture. We have a lack of self-control. But this isn't new. Right in the book of Genesis, Jacob and Esau are two sons. Uh, okay, and, and, and the one is younger and the one is older. And, and Jacob is the schemer and Esau's the older one. And Esau's eating his stew. And Jacob comes in from the field one day and says, oh, that looks so good, that looks so good. Uh, uh, and Esau says, yeah, it is good. No, it's the other way around, actually. Jacob's doing it and Esau comes in. And Esau says, I need that bowl of stew, I need that bowl of stew. And Jacob says, I'll swap it you for your birthright. And because he was famished in that moment, he swapped his inheritance for a bowl of stew. 
What an idiot. How many people have swapped their inheritance for nothing more than a bowl of stew? If only I hadn't done that. I lost my family. I lost my dignity. I lost my self-respect. I lost all of that. For what? For what? It's a lack of self-control. We also have a lack of willpower. You know, the best decision you can ever make is a decision against yourself. The best decision you can ever make is a decision against yourself. Let me explain. If you want to get out of debt, you have to make decisions against yourself financially. Now, let me say, for me, the best decision I ever made financially was honouring God first. So for us, we give 10% of what we get income-wise to God first. I believe that's biblical. I believe I can prove that biblical, no problem. But for us, it's the best decision we ever made because that honours God first. Now, the next decision is we then are going to live on a budget I'm saying some really bad swear words this morning. Repentance and budget. We're going to live on a budget, which means at times going against ourselves financially. Here's a radical concept. Buying something that you can afford to buy, not just that you want or everybody else has got. It's a shocking, isn't it? You have to make decisions against yourself financially. If you want to get in shape physically, you have to make decisions against yourself physically. That means going on a diet, getting exercise, getting sleep, not putting stuff in your body that's harmful to your body. If you want to get in shape spiritually, you have to make decisions against yourself spiritually. That means putting into your life habits and patterns that sometimes you won't want to do, but you know you should do if you're going to stay pre-regret. How many Christians I've met that said, how did I end up here? How did I end up here so far away from God? Well, when did you stop coming to church? When did you stop opening your Bible? When did you allow the sin in your life? When did you stop doing all those things that you know cause you to stay closer to God? Maybe that's a clue. Maybe that's a clue. Let, let, me, let me say, open some things up. In the New Testament, there's uh, two words for power. One is dunamis, where we get the word dynamite from. The one is exousia. Dunamis is the power to do things beyond your ability. Exousia is the power not to do something that's within your power to do. Got that? Dunamis is the power to do something beyond your ability. Exousia is the power not to do something that is within your ability. Let me give you an example. It takes dunamis to bench press 80 kilograms, right? It takes exousia to stop at one donut. Are you with me? It takes dunamis power to do something beyond your ability. It takes exousia to stop. That's called willpower. Hmm. Jesus walked on water and Jesus walked through walls, but it wasn't dunamis that kept Jesus on the cross. It was exousia. Jesus wasn't held on the cross by nails. Jesus was held on the cross by willpower. Not my will, but yours. That's willpower, isn't it? A lack of willpower, a lack of self-control, and a lack of self-awareness. We end up in the land of regret because we don't know ourselves. We all have temptations and triggers. And the sad thing is, and I, I have many, many. The sad thing is, people closest to me know them, and often I'm blind. This is a great quote, a guy called Mark Batterson, a book that I've just 
finished reading, and he said this, you aren't defined by who you are when everyone's looking. You're defined by who you are when no one's looking. That's the truth, isn't it? You aren't defined by who you are when everyone's looking. You're defined by who you are when nobody's looking. Your integrity is your legacy and your destiny. Don't live to regret it. Please, please don't live to regret it. So there's a lack of self-awareness. There's a lack of willpower. There's a lack of self-control. But then there's a fear, I think. And there's a fear of missing out. It's called FOMO, okay, in modern parlance. Because we often, and this is such a big issue in our culture, we compare other people's social media lives to our real lives. And we feel that we're missing out. And that's one of the reasons why we end up in regret. And we think that forbidden fruit will solve all our problems, but it only makes them more complicated. You see, lust is never going to solve your deepest problems. Never. Lust is selfish, consumed with getting what it wants. Love is sacrificial, consumed with giving what it has. Lust is consumed with getting what it wants. Love is consumed with giving what it has. Listen, if you're married this morning, you cannot be, listen, you cannot be selfish and happily married. Can't. The two things are mutually exclusive. When we focus on meeting the needs of the other person, we will never ever regret that. I wish in my marriage I'd focus more on meeting Alison's needs. I try, but I wish I'd done it more. Because whenever I do, I never regret it. But whenever I don't, I wake up thinking, oh, what an idiot. What an idiot. And then there's a fear of embarrassment. Oh, this is hard to say. Which at its root has the thing none of us want to admit we have, pride. We're embarrassed. The root of embarrassment, I have to say, often is pride. I heard some stories in this first two weeks of this year of people who didn't own up to things that were wrong and their marriages have broken up. I heard a tragic story of someone who I don't know, but someone who knows this person well, who took his own life over Christmas. And I don't want to be judgmental about that. I don't know anything about the situation. But sometimes, sometimes, if only we'd own up quicker to stuff that's going on. If only we would deal with our pride and our embarrassment and say, I need help. I need help. I heard a story recently of of a young leader in in another church. And he was in, in his 30s and didn't have a smartphone. And all of the other people around saying, what's the matter with you? You ain't got a smartphone. Yeah, what's wrong with you? And he said, I've got a problem with internet porn. So why would I have a smartphone? That shut him up. Wow. You see, good things don't happen by default. Good things only happen by design. Good things only happen by design. So what about you today? To stay pre-regret and to not end up in the land of regret is going to take you to wake up with what's going on in your life is going to take you to wake up to the direction that you're heading. Then it's going to take some brutal honesty and then it's going to take some immediate action and a change of direction and maybe even getting some accountability in to that change of direction and that action. But, but how about if you already are in regret? How about if as we go into 2018, you are carrying one, two or three mistakes or regrets And they seem to shape you and they seem to create like this picture around. You can't seem to move on beyond that because of the regret. Well, what you do is exactly the same as what I suggested for someone pre-regret. You wake up 
you speak to yourself the truth and you take immediate action. And it says, so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, and we're going to look at this, we're going to unpack this next week. I've already written the talk for next week. I'm so excited about next week. I'm not going to be able to contain myself, okay? It's going to be embarrassing how excited I'm going to get next week. While he was still a long way off, (laughs) my wife's not going to come now next week. (laughs) His father saw him and said, when he gets home, I'm going to batter him. When he gets home, he's going to get a piece of my mind. When he gets home, I'm going to sit him down and say, now you tell me exactly how you ended up in the land of regret. When his father saw him, he was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Regret that led to remorse, led to repentance, led to restoration. He came home. Isn't that amazing? Listen, I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've done. I don't care whether what you've done caused you to end up in a literal prison or a prison of circumstances or a prison in your I don't care. And neither does God. He knows it anyway. And the great news about the gospel is that there is nothing you could do that could make God love you any less. And there's nothing you could do that would make God love you any more. And I want you to think about this for a moment, this final quote, Bill Johnson. His goodness is above our ability to comprehend, but not above our ability to experience. That's awesome. His goodness is above our ability to comprehend. As I take you through next week, and I've preached on the prodigal son more times than any other passage, and I've found stuff that I've never found before. As I speak into this more next week, you're going to be blown away by, it's going to be beyond your ability to comprehend, but it is not beyond your ability to experience the welcome home, embracing love of God. You do not have to carry your regrets any longer. Jesus has carried them already. Let's pray. I'm going to invite the band if they could come back. Let's pray for a moment. I want you just to pause for a moment. We've got some time now this morning. We want to reflect a little bit. You know, start of this year, we want to reflect. We want to allow God in. We don't want to spectate any longer. That was so helpful, what Sarah brought us at the start. We don't want to spectate any longer. I think often spectators spiritually are people who, who, who just, you know, maybe we're carrying regrets or maybe we don't want to have a regret so we'd rather spectate than get involved. And yet if only we knew that even when we mess up, the Father's arms are still open. Even when we mess up, even when we mess up big time, He is running towards us the moment He sees us returning home. Father, I want to pray this morning just for a a real sense now of your Holy Spirit. Come and speak into our lives. Lord, where some of us need to wake up because we are heading in a direction that is only going to end up with us in the land of regret. God, may we hear that alarm clock this morning. May we wake up. May we be brutally honest. And then may we get up and go in a completely different direction. And Lord, if we are carrying regret, May we hear that alarm clock of your love and may we, God, come home. May we receive your forgiveness, your cleansing, your restoring power, I pray in Jesus' name.
Amen. I'm going to invite you in a moment to respond, okay? But before we do that, I'm going to ask Abby and the team. They're going to come and just sing a little bit of a song over you this morning. These are incredible words. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to invite some of you to respond and to be honest, okay, before the Lord this morning. I love these four words in this story. Um, In verse 20, so he got up, so he got up. And it's just that thing, okay, so this is where it is, but I ain't staying here. So he got up, life changing that is. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to invite you. Maybe you are in a situation and you know that if you don't get up and go a different direction, you could end up in the land of regret and you're saying, I ain't going there. Or maybe you are, I already have, and I'm in the land of regret, but I'm not staying here, so I want to get up. So why don't we close our eyes for a moment? And I want to pray for you this morning. I want to ask you to be very big and very brave and get over your pride and get over your fear of embarrassment. And if this morning you're saying, I am not going to live, I'm not going to end up in regret or I'm not going to stay in the land of regret, I'm going to come home. I'm going to go a different direction. I want to ask you to be brutally honest with yourself and get up. I'm going to ask you to stand up this morning if that's you. Bless you girls. Anybody else? Bless you guys. I'm not going to end up there. And if I am there, I ain't staying here. This is not where God wants me to be. Thank you. Father, I want to pray for these folks who are standing, Lord. It takes courage to do that. And Lord, it takes even more courage now to act on it. But God, would you by your Spirit now give them that power, that dynamis, Lord, that power beyond their ability. Lord, that exousia, that power, that, to, to, that willpower. Lord, would you release that to them more and more. And God, as they make great decisions, Lord, would you fill them with your power and your Spirit. And God, I want to pray that this would be the year when many of us, Lord, don't end up in the land of regret or when many of us go out of the land of regret to the land that you've called us to be, home, home. Let there be an awakening, I pray. Father, would you come, fill them with your Spirit, encourage them and strengthen their hearts. May this be a monumental decision, a milestone moment in their lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you now. Why don't we sing this song with Abby and the team and just live in the reality of these words. These are incredible words. And as you do it, if you have got burdens, if you have got hurts, if you have got stuff in your heart, lay it down. Maybe it's not regret. Maybe it's other things. Right at the start of the year. Why carry it through the whole of 2018 when God says, give it to me? Why would you do that? Why do I do that? When God says, give it to me, cast all your burdens on Him, for He cares for you. So why on earth do we carry them all the way through a year? So why don't we stand? Let's worship Him.